Welcome to the chalkboard, my fellow football nerds, for episode number 134 of Chalk Talk. I'm your host, Shane Half. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at Shane Half NFL. I am flying solo for this week 14 recap episode today. Not on our normal night. We're getting into holiday season. Schedule's getting messed up, at least for me this week. So I couldn't record on Tuesday night. Uh, Mark was unable to make it work tonight. So I'm going to run this one solo. Uh, getting next Tuesday. I'll watch as many games as I can. And Mark will have to carry me through the rest of next week's recap episode. And then obviously the next week, uh, Tuesday is the day after Christmas. So uh, we'll try to smooth that out. We might not have fully fleshed out shows the next couple of weeks, but we're going to get you guys something in your feed. Uh, and then we'll right after. So uh, this, this solo show and what we'll have the next couple of weeks is not a reflection of waning interest in the podcast for the season. Uh, unfortunately, uh, longtime listeners of the show, we're in our third season now, know that this kind of happens right around Christmas. It's a little hard to juggle it all at times. So we do what we can. We're going to get you guys these episodes out uh, to the best of our ability. And so I'm going to run you through these games from the week 14 slate. It's typically a little bit shorter show because I don't have Mark to bounce things off of, but uh, at least want to keep you guys up to date with what's going on in the NFL. And so if you're be sure you throw your comments down up on the screen. I love to interact guys in that way, especially when Mark's not here joining me. Uh, it makes it feel a little more like than a monologue. Uh, also, streaming this out to my Twitch channel for the first time. I'm on Twitch uh, at half and half, twitch.tv slash half and half. You guys can follow me on Twitch. I don't stream a lot of video games, but uh, if you have Amazon Prime, you can support me by linking it to Twitch and subscribing to my channel for our posting as well. So let's go ahead and dive into it with, with the game that Eagles fans don't want to talk about. That is their second straight loss, uh, this time on the road at the Dallas Cowboys. 33 to 13 and I'll throw these up here so you guys can follow along uh, on the screen as well so we can talk about what happened in this game there's a lot of things that play out ultimately the Dallas Cowboys are on a heater over the last six weeks of the season uh, Dak Prescott is playing incredible football he goes 24 of 39 in this game for 271 yards he tossed two interceptions uh, they were able to get the rushing attack going. They rushed for 138 yards on 32 carries and another touchdown. Dallas opened this game up doing uh, scoring on their first four drives. They went touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. And ultimately, they have a 24-6 to lead at halftime. Now, I have to shout out, as much as I love, I love kickers. Mark hates kickers. Mark's not here. I get to talk about kickers all I want. Uh, Cowboys kicker Brandon Aubrey hit a 60-yard and a 59-yard field goal in this game. He also hit one from 50, so incredible performance from him. Uh, the Cowboys have won five straight games, and they've scored 30-plus points in each of those games. And so the offense is hot, and they haven't played in this. You've got the Panthers, you've got the Seahawks. They've seed in the NFC, technically at 10 and three. And yeah, defense hasn't been great, but since getting punched in the mouth by the 49ers early this season, the Cowboys have responded in a major way and they're very much a Super Bowl contender. They have not made it to an NFC title game since 1995. They're trending that direction. Now on the flip side of the ball, the Eagles are reeling after losing two straight. Uh, they became the first team in NFL history to have 10 plus wins and lose back-to-back -back games by 20 or more points each time. And so the Eagle, the Cowboys earlier this year got punched in the mouth by the 49ers, and they rebounded. The Eagles got punched in the mouth by the 49ers. They proceeded to get punched in the mouth by the Cowboys. Now, granted, traveling across the country, Cowboys have extra rest, whatever. You can make those excuses. It's time for the Eagles to step up. If they want to remain a contender, if they want to be thought of as a contender, they've got to sweep their last four games and do some respond. And so we'll see what they're able to do there. One of the biggest issues for the Eagles over the last three games 
is their third downs per shield Kapadia on Twitter, a great follow on Twitter for stats and things. Uh, Eagles are sacking opposing quarterbacks 5.1% of the time on third downs. That's the worst rate in the NFL for a team that invests so heavily in their pass rush at the depth positions at times, you've got to be able to get home. And there's an element of the pass rush wearing down. You've heard me. If you listen to some of my other podcasts on the Shane on the BG and Ray, you've heard me talk about the Eagles lack of rotation at edge rusher. And you see that playing out. I think this pass rush is wearing down and they haven't been able to get this team off the field in the last three weeks. The defense has forced 52 third downs. They've only gotten off the field on 16 of those. That's 30.7% of the time. They've allowed 30 conversions on third down, three on fourth down, and three via penalty. And so it's really hard when you're giving up drives like that. And grant the, the defense did buckle down. It was 24 to six at half. The defense comes out and they get a three and out off a short field after a turnover. And then they get a defensive touchdown and then they allowed back to back to back field goals. They only allowed nine points in the whole second half. And so the defense did step up, but the offense didn't do their part. And the offense largely didn't do their part due to miscues. Um, it wasn't like they didn't have yards. I mean, they put up yardage in this game. You scroll over and look at the team stats. They put up 324 yards. Now, they were still outgained by a 75-ish yards, but 324 yards is not a bad day in the office. Three fumbles that were lost. Uh, you have a couple of You put the ball just on Devonta Smith's fingertips in the end zone, and it doesn't come down with a catch. You hit A.J. Brown in the hands, and it's not caught. And so... There was a lot of miscues for this game. Um, at the end of the day, the offense has just been sloppy. The defense stiffened up, like I said. They only allowed nine points in the second half, but the offense didn't do anything. Now, if you're an Eagles fan, take heart. The Eagles have four games left, Seattle, the Giants twice, and the Cardinals. Per DVOA, all of those are bottom nine defenses in the NFL. And so the Eagles offense, they can ramp up. They can get going here. Uh, they can get some of their swagger back and be a different team come the. Plays at an elite level like I believe they should be able to. And the defense is feisty and they can get a key stack. They can get a key turnover. They're not going to hold teams probably under 30 points very often, but they can get a key stop and swing games. That's the Eagles path to success. I put a thread out on Twitter talking about the easy buttons. I think this offense needs to push uh, in terms of running back screens, curl routes, slant routes, things they're extremely good at, but they're very low usage. Some things I think they need to fix in the running game. You can go check that out. It's on my Twitter at Shane half NFL. Um, I'm going to try to get something up on the defense later this week. And then on the Cowboys side, if you're a Cowboys fan, the Cowboys look legit. Now, the Cowboys are about to go through a murderer's row. And so the Cowboys, we're going to find out how legit they are as a contender. Like, they've beat up on the Giants, Panthers, Commanders, and Seahawks for the last five weeks. And then, obviously, the Eagles. But they go to Buffalo, to Miami, and versus Detroit, which we'll get to that game. And Detroit hasn't looked as good the last few weeks. But they've got some tough games on the schedule. And so it's time for Cowboys fans to continue that hot streak. Their defense is playing well, Seattle game notwithstanding. Uh, it's time for the Cowboys to go on a run. If they want to make a push, they still need the Eagles to lose another game to secure the division, uh, but they've got to do their part and keep winning. So it's going to be really fascinating to watch this one play out over the next two weeks. Uh, we'll go to a couple comments here. We got Omar says Shane on YouTube says Shane's doing the Lord's work. Thanks for joining the show, Omar. We've got Todd on Facebook asks, is it a chance Frank Reich could be called as a consultant for offensive coordinator? I mean, it's always a chance. Um, I don't think that's I don't think that's the answer. Uh, I think there's some pretty easy answers on the offense, and I'll get into that more later this week as well. But I mean, it never hurts to to bring another mind into the building in my opinion so i'm not opposed to that move but i certainly don't think it's it's the end all be all move to win the game or to to get this offense back on track so 
All right, let's keep rolling here. And again, you guys drop the comments here if you are watching live. We'll talk Thursday night football here. New England at Pittsburgh. New England wins this game 21 to 18 behind an 8 19 of 28 performance for Bailey Zappi. He threw for 240 yards and three touchdowns with one interception. Uh, obviously, Pittsburgh starting Mitchell Trubisky with Kenny Pickett's injury, and Trubisky was 22 of 35 for 190 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. The Steelers have suddenly dropped three of their last four games, uh, including back-to-back losses to the Cardinals and the Patriots. The Cardinals and the Patriots, two teams that were in the contention for the number one pick. Like The wheels are coming off in Pittsburgh. In this game, they fell into a 21-3 to hole. And then they made it a game late, but at the end of the day, a loss is a loss, and Pittsburgh is now 7-6, and six, and they have an uphill battle to get into the playoffs. And we're going to talk playoff picture and who I would like to see in the playoffs near the end of the show, but it's going to be a tough, tough sledding for the Steelers to get there. Uh, they became the second team in NFL history to lose consecutive home games to teams with double-digit losses. Think about that. Consecutive home games – Two teams with double-digit losses. That's just wild. Mike Tomlin is generally a really good coach situation. Like, this isn't something that happens to Mike Tomlin teams. And so um, they got to get this back on track. They got to right the ship. Getting Kenny Pickett back will certainly help, but there's no rushing attack. 28 carries for 82 yards. The passing game was atrocious, and maybe some of that's Mitchell Trubisky, but they've got to figure something out. They got the bump after they fire Matt Canada. They finally get the 400-yard game, uh, and then they've just gone back into the gutter. And so uh, the offense has to figure something out for Pittsburgh, for New England. you got to stop winning football games, man. you got to stop. Like You want that number two overall pick because I'm telling you right now, Drake May is the court. You want to get Drake May. And you're not going to get him if you're not at number two. And so they win this game. They go to three and 10. They technically, by virtue of uh, strength of schedule, they still have the number two pick. Arizona is also at three and 10. And so I'll, here, I'll throw that up on the screen here. Uh, Arizona is also three and 10. And then you've got, you know, four or three, four win teams. So the number one pick, it's been out of the question. It's definitely out of the question now. The worst thing New or New England fans can see happen is for New England to win a couple of the year. And so you really hope if you're a Patriots fan, as much as it stinks, uh, you got to root against your team here. Uh, and they've got a pretty tough schedule. They play Kansas City at Denver, who's suddenly on a hot streak, and then the Jets in the finale where they might have Aaron Rodgers back. And so we'll see what happens for just need to lose. We'll get you a quarterback, figure out what you do, and you can go from there. Okay, let's get in the next game. It is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Atlanta Falcons. Game, the Buccaneers, the, the ending of this game was kind of crazy. The Buccaneers were down 25 to 22 uh, with just over three minutes left to play. And they went on a 12-play 75-yard touchdown drive to take the lead with 31 seconds left. They win the game. Now, all of a sudden, in the NFC South, the Bucks, the Falcons, and the Saints are all 6-7. and seven. They're all tied for the division lead with a losing record. We're going to do the NFC South team in the playoffs again. Um, man, if you could ever make a case to keep, in, to keep a division out, it's the NFC South. But we'll get into that here in a little bit with what, what I would like to see happen in the playoffs, the matchups I'd like to see. The Falcons, five starters going into this game, and somehow they left this offensive lineman, Jake Matthews. They lost offensive lineman, Chris Lundstrom. Uh, they shot their kicker, Young Hoku, missed two field goals, and he's only missed one all season. He had the highest accuracy percent in the NFL. And you look at this Falcons schedule. They're six and seven. Five of their seven losses have been by one score. And there's an element of being clutch in one score games. There's also, we know, an element of luck. And they've been unlucky in that regard. And so the Falcons trying to make a push for the playoffs here. They've got a schedule they can work with. You go at the Panthers, 
that's a divisional opponent. It's a team that's really bad. You got to win that game next week. And then you play versus the Colts at the Bears at the Saints. And that at the Saints game in week 17 could decide this whole thing. And so uh, the Falcons certainly aren't out of it. They're tied. Everybody's right there in it. Um, in this game, Desmond Ritter threw for a career high 347 yards, 26 to 40, 347 yards. He had a touchdown. Uh, he also threw an interception. He rushed for 15 yards and a touchdown, but that interception he threw turned into a touchdown. One of the three sacks he took was a safety, and he missed some easy passes along the way. He's very much still an inconsistent quarterback, and you expect that, I guess. He was a third-round guy in his second year, played three games, four games last year. They need to step up, and he shows some flashes. They just need more consistency out of him if they're going to make this push. Okay, let's go before we go to another comment here. Uh, Todd on Facebook asks, what help can we fix the problem, whether it's coaching or scheme? Assuming this question is about the Eagles. Um, uh, I think for the Eagles, they've got to get better pass rush, and I think it starts with getting your legs back in the trenches. You get better pass rush, um, I thought the secondary did a good job of challenging throws, but Dak was making a lot of tight window throws. And so um, you've got to be able to get off the field when the opportunities present themselves. And I, Shaq Leonard will help in the linebacker room. He's far from the solution. Uh, at the end of the day, you're going to have to live with the spine of your defense being problematic and trying to overcome that. And so whether that comes down to installing a little more of a Brian Flores style uh, blitz six or blitz three sort of scenario. Um, or if you want to try to continue to play traditional defenses, I just think you're going to have to win in the trenches. That's where it all starts for this defense. That's the philosophy with which the roster was built. And if you're not winning in the trenches, the defense isn't going to be very good. And so the offense is going to have to step up. Okay, let's get on to our next game here. Uh, this was the game of the week. It's the Los Angeles Rams at the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and the Ravens win this game in overtime, 37 to 31. And so I, you had to, you just got to watch this game. This game was incredible. Um, I Matthew Stafford was playing outside of his mind in this game. Uh, he played an incredible game and, for for the Rams, uh, Stafford throws for 294 yards, three touchdowns. He took two sacks. Uh, they're getting contributions from so many guys. Kyron Williams was a late-round draft pick, 25 carries, 114 yards. Cooper Cup, eight for 115 yards and a touchdown. Puka Nakua had 84 yards. He also had a six-yard rush. Like they're They're cobbling together enough of an offense to go win these games, and it's just a great performance for the Chargers that came up just short like Stafford made some crazy throws sidearm fading out of the pocket he threw one a touchdown to the back corner of the end zone that was incredible and the Ravens took a lead in this game with a minute 16 left they took a three-point lead and Matthew Stafford in that 116 gets the Rams into field goal range to force overtime but it just wasn't enough they trade three and outs in overtime Baltimore gets the ball first three and out the Rams go three and out, and Tylen Wallace gets a 76-yard punt return touchdown to walk this game off. This is an encouraging performance for the Rams. Baltimore on the season is giving up one touchdown every 10 drives. The Rams scored three touchdowns in 12 drives. This offense is coming together. If you eliminate the games where Stafford was injured, the Rams would rank fourth in offensive EPA and fourth in success rate. That's incredible. This is a team we talked about being so void of talent. And yet they threw a lot of darts at the dartboard and they found some guys that can play. And Sean McVay is coaching these guys up. And it'd be really sad if the Rams missed the playoffs. I, I want the Rams in the playoffs, not to tip my hand for later in the show. I want the Rams in the playoffs. Hopefully the Packers and the Rams can get the wild card and the Vikings are the team that falls out. You look at those three teams. Minnesota has the second hardest strength of schedule remaining. They play Detroit twice, Cincinnati and Green Bay. 
Green Bay has the 31st easiest or hardest schedule. So second easiest. They play Minnesota, Carolina, the Giants, the Bears, and the Buccaneers. And then the Rams have the 20th strength of schedule remaining. San Francisco, which is a tough game. Washington, New York, Giants, and New Orleans Saints. So on the NFC side of this game, I would really like to see the Rams push for the playoffs. I think they could be a scary team if they get there. Fun, plucky team to watch. On the AFC side, Baltimore's won their third straight now, and they're back atop the AFC for the one seed, at least pending tonight's Dolphins game outcome, which I would expect them to win. So uh, really fun game to watch. Two fun teams to watch. Hopefully we can see both of these teams in the postseason. Let's keep it rolling along here, and we'll go to the Detroit Lions at the Chicago Bears, and Detroit loses this game. 28 to 13 and it's been a rough go for Detroit over the last couple weeks. I mean, 4 weeks ago, 3 weeks ago, they should have lost to the Bears. Right? And they didn't. The Bears blew the lead. They scraped by with a win. Then they lose to the Packers on Thanksgiving. They barely beat the Saints and now they get beat by two touchdowns by the Bears. It's been a rough stretch for the Lions. And um Like I said, a couple weeks ago, the Bears had them on the ropes. They gave it away. No such turn of events this time. This is the first time the Bears have notched back-to-back wins under Matt Matt Eberflus. Uh, Justin Fields ended 19 of 33 for 233 yards and a touchdown. He also rushed for 58 yards and a touchdown. Detroit opened the second half. They were a disaster. This was a close game at halftime. They had the lead 13 to 10, and the second half was a disaster for this team. They opened with three straight three and outs on their fourth possession. They fumbled on their fifth possession. They had a turnover on downs without picking up a first down. And then they had a turnover on downs after picking up a first down and then an interception in seven possessions after the half, they gained 71 yards, did not pick up a first down until the fourth quarter. Jeff, Jeff, Jared Goff continues to spiral and the Lions defense remains bad. Goff threw two interceptions in this game. He took four sacks. Um, he, he's he's really struggled against the Bears, which is kind of crazy because the Bears' defense hasn't been good. But he has five interceptions versus the Bears this season in two games and five interceptions versus every other team combined. So maybe the Bears are just his kryptonite. And that's two times in the last four weeks, and it sort of taints the sample size. Maybe that's it. I kind of think Jared Goff is – just having a rough stretch. And all of a sudden this lions team, their arrow is pointing majorly down Now they're going to be in the playoffs. I just don't think they're ready. The quarterback plays not good enough. The defense is horrible. The defense, I didn't check these numbers, but I know like a week or two ago, they were dead last in success rate and EPA. I just don't think they're ready for prime time. And that's disappointing for lions fans. Uh, Going to have to hit on draft picks Uh, moving forward. You got to build this defense out. There's just not enough of a threat in the trenches. Uh, The secondary has struggled at times. Brian Branch has been really good when he's been healthy. Um, You're just going to have to continue to build out this defense, I think. So uh, you're going to be in the playoffs. Maybe you win a wild card game. I just don't have a lot of faith that the Lions are much of a threat come playoff time. But crazier things have happened. Okay, let's go to our next game, which is the Cincinnati Bengals at the, or excuse me, the Indianapolis Colts at the Cincinnati Bengals and the Bengals boat race, the Colts in this one. And Jake Browning did it again. Man, last week we jokingly asked, is Joe Burrow a system quarterback? And I still, I will never believe that Joe Burrow, hear me Cincinnati fans, Joe Burrow is a great quarterback. Jake Browning's looking pretty good off the bench too. He went 18 of 24. For 275 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception in this game. He took zero sacks, 122.7 quarterback rating. Uh, He also rushed for a touchdown. He has a 79.3% completion percentage through his first three starts. That is the highest mark by any quarterback in his first three starts in NFL history. Just a wild stat. Uh, The Colts dropped into an early 14-0 hole in this one. And they were able to climb out of it. They were able to tie it up, but then they couldn't get out of their own way. They they had a muffed punt. They had a first and goal from the 25 because penalties kept moving them back. And ultimately, they weren't able to score again. Uh, 
after halftime. Mr. Crockpot chiming in on YouTube says Minshew mania feels like an eternity ago. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't think Gardner Minshew was awful in this game. 26, 39, 240 yards and a touchdown, one interception, three sacks. Um, I don't think he was the reason they lost, but there was just a accumulation of errors. The, the running game wasn't doing anything. 2.6 yards per carry. Obviously Jonathan Taylor is out injured. Zach Moss couldn't get anything going. 2.2 yards per carry. Just too many miscues, no running game. It's going to be hard to win with a backup quarterback under those circumstances. And on the Bengals side, it's incredible to me that the Bengals without Joe Burrow have a shot at the playoffs, but they are currently one of six teams in the AFC that is seven and six, and they're fighting for two spots. Now I'll get into at the end of the show, what I want to see happen in the playoffs. I've teased that out already. We'll talk about it. It's going to be wild to watch the AFC break down. Uh, Mr. Crockett has how in the world do the Colts have seven wins this season? Shane Steichen's a great coach and great, great coach. Really good uh, schematically, good play sequencing. Uh, he's definitely doing more with less. Michael Pittman has had a really good year. Um, Michael Pittman's a guy that I would have said coming into this season isn't really a true wide receiver one. He's a good receiver. I think you need a better wide receiver one than that. But so far this year, uh, he's got 95 catches for 984 yards. He's on pace for almost 1,300 receiving yards. And so it's a huge testament to Shane Steichen. Michael Pittman's got going. And despite the turmoil at quarterback, getting Anthony Richardson, him missing games here and there, and then being out for the season, the Colts have continued to stack wins. And this is why backup quarterbacks are important. This is the backup quarterback bowl. Jake Brown and Gardner Minshew. Neither of these quarterbacks lost this game for their team. I thought they both played pretty well. So, all right. Well, speaking of backup quarterbacks, let's go to a fourth string quarterback that was almost retired and is now the quarterback for the Cleveland Browns and Joe Flacco, uh, who led the Browns to a victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars, 31 to 27. Joe Flacco was 26 of 45 for 311 yards, three touchdowns. He did throw one interception in this one and with competent quarterback play the Browns look like a threat again because this defense hasn't gone anywhere and that sounds strange to say when they gave up 27 points the first two touchdowns for Jacksonville came off of Cleveland turnovers Uh, they required a total of 37 yards for those two touchdowns so really we're not going to hold those against them Uh, the Browns defense is really good Joe Flacco for incompetency remember this is a team that Lost to Sean Watson, regardless of what his play has been like. They lost uh, Nick Chubb, and, and so they lost two of their biggest weapons. But Joe Flacco has really found a rhythm with Amari Cooper, 77 yards in this game, and David Njoku, who had 91 yards and two touchdowns. And so if they can just be efficient, like if you're the Browns, you feel pretty good about winning football games if you can put up 21 points. And I think they can do that. As crazy as this sounds to say in 2023, almost 2024, I think they can do that with Joe Flacco under center on the Jaguar side. uh, Trevor Lawrence was able to play after the ankle injury he sustained last week. It looked really bad. He was able to come back. was not a good game for Lawrence. He threw three interceptions. He was sacked four times. Uh, He did throw three touchdowns. The the offense did get into a groove late, um, but it, it wasn't enough. There were too many mistakes and the Jaguars dropped this game. So they dropped to eight and five. The Browns are eight and five. Neither team in danger of missing the playoffs, I think. But you got all those seven and six teams hot on your heels. So uh, it's going to be fascinating once again to see how the AFC plays out. Um, the Browns in this game became just the eighth team since 1950 to have four different quarterbacks record at least one win in a season. Think about that. Four quarterbacks. You got Deshaun Watson, PJ Walker, Dorian Thompson Robinson, and now Joe Flacco have all won games for this football team. That's just wild. Uh, I I can't imagine having that upheaval at quarterback and still being in the middle of a playoff race, and yet here we are. Okay, let's move on to the next game. We're going to go to New Orleans, where the Carolina Panthers looked like they've looked most of this season. They lose 28-6 to to New Orleans. New Orleans has now gone 13 consecutive games 
without an opening touchdown drive. This one was really painful, though, because they settled for a 29-yard field goal, and then they missed that field goal. Uh, It was a rough game all around here through the air. Derek Carr started the game 13 of 20 passing for 37 yards and an interception. Uh, Bryce Young started the game 3 of 15 for 28 yards passing. Carolina lost two fumbles on offense. They had two three and outs. They had five failed fourth down conversions. This is just a painful division to watch. The the Panthers, they've got so much they've got to get taken care of this offseason. They've got to figure out what to do with Bryce Young. They've got to fix their offensive line. They've got to fix their receivers, and yet they traded away the number one overall pick. That one's going to sting come draft time. And on the Saints side, you know they're right there at 6-7 and seven in that three-way tie for the division, but... Their future looks bleak too, and they're not going anywhere with Derek Carr at quarterback. And, you know, their weapons just aren't, they're not enough. And I think their weapons are good. I think Chris Olave is a stud receiver. I think Alvin Kamara still has a lot left in the tank at running back, but Derek Carr is not getting it done. Uh, Dennis Allen's not getting it done in New Orleans. And yeah, for Eagles fans, Mr. Crockpot says the Saints need to stop winning because the Eagles do have the Saints second round pick. Um, hopefully they are not the team that emerges from that division. I hate this division with a passion. Mr. Crockpot says me too. I, I, I hate this division. I wish, I wish we, can we just give an AFC team, the NFC South's playoff spot? Like I don't even need an extra NFC wildcard team because there's not NFC wildcard teams either, but there's a lot of teams that I want to see in there in the AFC. So that's what I would like to see uh, if it were possible. Let's go to MetLife, where the New York Jets beat the Houston Texans 30-6. to Zach Wilson, fresh off his benching, played the best game of the season. Um, he, he looked really good in this game. Like, this is the game that you buy into if you're a Jets fan, but you've seen it go the other way so many times, it's really hard to buy into it. I mean, he used his mobility to evade rushers. He had a couple really good throws into tight windows. Uh, This game was 0-0 to at half, and then the Jets scored on six possessions in the second half. The only one they didn't score on was the Zach Wilson fumble that led to the Texans' only touchdown. But then they came right back, and they didn't compound mistakes, and they went on a 10-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. Like, this is the play you needed from Zach Wilson two months ago, or from Joe Flacco, or from Carson Wentz, or from all these guys we talked about that the Jets should have went and got. Because, man, the season's over. Like, the Jets are virtually eliminated from the playoffs. And I hate that because I think this Jets team, uh, the defense is so good. The, the defense needs to be in the playoffs, and it's been totally They have less than a percent chance to make the playoffs. I'm trying to find if they went out it's a huge uphill battle um they they go at the dolphins they face the commanders oh now that it's not letting me use the but anyways it's going to be tough for the jets even if they went out which is going to be really hard considering the schedule that they have left so um steve says on youtube let me throw this comment up here and we're back uh, me out and acted like we didn't have internet. We did. Uh, so let me put my screen share again here. And going back into uh, Steve says you're not going to lose six defensive starters, including your top five tacklers, and have continuity. Defense is what it is. Whoever's orchestrating the offense needs to do a better job, and so do the players. I think uh, he's referring back to the Eagles game, and yeah, that's certainly accurate, but. Um, for the Jets here, um, Wilson ended – this was his first 300-yard performance this season, um, which is, again, kind of just mind-blowing. Uh, on Houston's side here, this is a big loss for Houston. They, they, they had the opportunity to tie Jacksonville at 8-5 and five if they could have won this game, and they weren't able to do so. Uh, but even bigger, they lost C.J. Stroud to a concussion in the fourth quarter, which – 
will likely make him miss the Titans game. They also lost Nico Collins three snaps into the game. They were already missing Dalton Schultz and Tank Dell. And so attrition here with the Texans, they're going to have to figure out a way to beat the Titans likely without Stroud and missing a lot of playmakers uh, to really stay competitive or they're going to risk falling out uh, of the division here. So uh, fingers crossed for the Texans. They need to get healthy and, and be able to move forward. Okay, let's go into the Sunday afternoon slate. Uh and this game was a barn burner. The Minnesota Vikings at the Las Vegas Raiders. This game ends three to zero. Three to zero. Can you imagine in the year 2023 playing a three to zero football game? The Raiders and Vikings combined for 34 third down attempts in this game. They finished the day combined for 433 yards and 17 wildly inept offense here um on the raiders side the antonio pierce bump has worn off for the raiders with three straight Uh, at five and seven they technically have a shot at the playoffs but it's not a very good one on the viking side is it stinks like justin jefferson's been injured for the majority of the season he returns from the injury in this one and then he leaves after taking a big rib shot Uh, Josh Dobbs is pulled out of this game at one point. He's 10 of 23 with 63 yards and five sacks. And he was replaced by Nick Mullins, who went nine of 13 for 83 yards. And so maybe Nick Mullins is the guy. I don't know what the Vikings are going to back. Their season has kind of been derailed by injuries, which is also sad because this was a team that was kind of fun to watch early in the season with Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. Uh, yeah, Steve says it was Marcus Epps that knocked out Justin Jefferson. It was a big rib shot by Marcus Epps uh, that took him out of this game. Josh Dobbs, as much fun as the storyline was, he's really looked bad over the last couple weeks. Uh, he ended this game when he was pulled out with a completion percentage over expectation of negative 16.1%. So that's a bad day in the office. This game was a bad game. This was the lowest scoring game since 2007 in the NFL. So not a lot more to say about that one. Uh, Overall, a pretty boring game to watch. Uh, But let's go to this next game, which was actually a pretty good game to watch. And I didn't think it would be. That was Seattle at San Francisco. Now San Francisco wins 28 to 16. Um, But I didn't expect this to be even interesting at any point with news broke that Geno Smith was going to be out uh, with his injury. Drew Locke was going to start the game, but Drew Locke started the game really well. He ends the game with a stat line that doesn't look great. 22 of 31 for 269, two touchdowns and two interceptions. But both those interceptions were in the fourth quarter. And for a while, this was a really good football game. Like Seattle was right there with him. It was 14 to 10 at halftime. Uh, It was 21 to 16 at the start of the fourth quarter. Despite putting up 527 yards and 28 points, the 49ers offense wasn't really clicking early in the game. Now they had big plays. They had eight plays of over 25 yards that helped keep them going, but they had back-to-back three and outs in the first half. They had five punts overall. They weren't firing on all cylinders uh, and division games are tricky at times. And I think this is a, this is a classic letdown spot for the 49ers after the emotional win at Lincoln financial field last week. It's a division rival in a little bit of a down spot. Uh, you're still able to get the win. Uh, Seattle, they're beat up in this game. Uh, Devon lost Seahawks falling three to six of them. And they have the Eagles. The last time the Seahawks lost four games in a row was in the final four weeks of the 2009 season. And following that, they fired Jim Moore and they hired Pete Carroll to be their head coach. It's the first time in the Pete Carroll era it has happened. The last time it happened, it cost a guy his job. I'm not saying Pete Carroll is or should be on the hot seat, uh, but it's definitely something to watch moving forward uh, as I try to put together a playoff push against you know the Eagles coming up. Anyway, let's move on to Arrowhead Stadium to the offsides heard around the world. I mean, that's where we've got to talk about this game, right? Well, I'll set it up here. Uh, the Bills win 20-17. to 17. Uh, They jumped out to a 14-0 to lead 
and then the offense stalled out late in the game, uh, Kansas City has a chance for a drive to win the game. And they only get it because of some really bad clock management by the Bills offense, only burning like 15 seconds. Um, here, I'll, I'll get you the exact numbers here. Uh, they get the ball. Uh, they're up by three. First and 10 at the Kansas City 22-yard line with the lead with two minutes and 12 seconds left, and they go pass and complete, pass and complete, pass for one yard, two-minute warning, and they have to kick a field goal. So rather than running the ball once to make Kansas City burn their timeouts, they ran 15 seconds off the clock, turned it over or kicked the field goal to go up, and then they give the ball back to the Chiefs. Like that clock manager, they gave Patrick Mahomes the chance to put this back. They went on a drive, and then we all know what happened. If you look up, you get Patrick Mahomes throws it to Travis Kelsey. Right, this is not a design play. Travis Kelsey's running downfield. He sees two guys about to tackle him, and he sees Kadarius Tony behind him running up the middle of the field, and he throws him the football. And Tony runs for a game-winning touch, or so we thought. But in fact, Kadarius Tony offsides. A flag flew right at the snap, and that was taken off the board. The Chiefs would end. Now, but the Chiefs would end up turning it over on downs, uh, and they lose the game. Now, the Chiefs after the game um, whined about this call a lot. And I'm not a fan of that. Patrick Mahomes, uh, you guys can go see the clip, what he said to Josh Allen when they shook hands. Um, He spent a lot of time at the podium complaining about the call. Um, He was offsides. It wasn't even close. Like, this wasn't a gray area call. He was blatantly offsides. I don't know how you don't want the NFL to call that. Just line up onside. Like, that's a pretty simple solution. And I hate that they're whining about all NFL officiating has been bad and we can acknowledge that. And I've talked about, I talked about it last week at the end of the chiefs game, NFL officiating is atrocious. He was off sides. And so, you know, sucks. You lose the game because of it. You blame that on a player, not an official. It's not the official's job to say, Hey, Back up now. This isn't peewee football. Hey, back up. You're offsides. It is what it is. So I hated that. I hated the way that they whined about it afterwards. Um, Steven says, Andy Reid and Mahomes just making themselves look awful with the whining. It's like they lost lost awareness of the pampering. I wonder how he feels about Bradbury in the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, it's a really bad look, and it's indicative of bigger problems. It, that's about more than an offsides. I mean, this is... This is like, this is you, you leave a dirty dish on the counter and your wife snaps at you about putting it in the dishwasher and then like starts crying. And it's like, I think it was about more than the dish, right? Don't get me in trouble with my wife. This didn't just happen to me. I think it's about something else. There's something else going on here. It's, it's frustrations with Mahomes and Reed with their playmakers and the lack of, uh, lack of consistency they've had this season and it's boiling over and they're going to have to salvage this. They're eight and five now uh, and the bills move up to seven and six and, and the chief skill players. They're right. They're just not good enough for she rice fumbled. Canaries Tony's offsides. They have no rushing attack in this game. Uh, scroll down. They, they have Qu- Clyde Edwards Hilaire rush for 39 yards. Jarek McKinnon, 19 yards. There, there, there's not enough going on and you got to have these young guys step up when you're going to pay a quarterback the money Patrick Mahomes is being paid. You can't afford to pay a lot of other guys. Uh, Buffalo still has a shot for the playoffs. They have a huge game against Dallas this week that swings their playoff leverage considerably. And so Buffalo didn't play the best in this game, but they get the win. They need to be firing on all cylinders against uh, the Cowboys. As for the Chiefs, they are now two games behind the Ravens for the one seed. And it looks like for the first time in his career, Patrick Mahomes is going to have to play a road playoff game this season. He has not played a playoff game outside of Arrowhead 
excluding Super Bowls, which are on neutral sites. 11 home playoff games, zero true road playoff games. And so certainly can be a storyline to watch as we move forward into the playoffs. Okay, and then let's get to our last game uh, because, again, I'm recording this prior to Monday Night Football, so no Monday Night Football talk here. Uh, Denver at the Los Angeles Chargers. Denver wins 24-7. to They pick up after starting one and five. The Broncos are now seven and six, and they're only one game behind the Chiefs in the AFC West. Now, I don't think the Chiefs are going to let the AFC West slip away, but it's crazy the turnaround that Denver has had since they started one and five. Uh, the Chargers made it a 10-point game in the fourth quarter. Denver immediately responded with a 13-play, 75-yard touchdown that drained seven and a half minutes off the clock, and it effectively ended the game. Now, that's a testament to the Broncos' offense. That's not something that they would have done at any point in time last year, partially because they wouldn't have had a lead, or earlier this season. And it's also a testament to the Brandon Staley defense and the ineptitude that has plagued Los Angeles since Brandon Staley got here. And so you can let it play out the season. Brandon Staley is going to go at the end of this season, and it's going to be the best move for the Chargers. Now, this game is tough. Justin Herbert injured his second quarter, and he left the game. But even when he was in, the offense was bad. Seven drives with three two turnovers on downs. They had an interception. Herbert ends 9 of 17 for 96 yards with an interception and four sacks. Easton Stick comes in. He takes two sacks, goes 13 to 24 for 179 yards. Uh, They did not throw a touchdown. Austin Eckler had the lone touchdown on one of his 10 carries for 51 yards. The Chargers ended this game one of six on fourth down attempts. Oof, that's just bad. I like aggressiveness. You got to be better on fourth downs than that when you're going for them. And you look at Denver, and, and I said last week, or two weeks ago, I can't remember, that Denver, I wasn't buying the defense yet because their EPA and success rate isn't very good, or their success rate isn't very good. It was near the bottom of the league, but they were getting so many turnovers. But over the last week, eight weeks, they've held opponents to 15 points per game. That's pretty impressive stuff. Now, has it been the best opponents? The Chargers? No. The Browns? Good team. Bad offense. Vikings? But you look back a little further, the Texans, the Bills, the Chiefs, the, the Packers, the Chiefs again. Like They've played some teams, and so uh, I don't know what to make of Denver. I think it, it would be objectively hilarious if they ended up winning their division. I don't think that's going to happen, uh, but kudos to them for turning their season around. Shout out to Sean Payton, a guy that Mark and I both ranked very highly on our coach tiers list in the offseason. And so that is going to wrap it up for our recap. Uh, doubleheader on Monday Night Football tonight, Tennessee at Miami. Green Bay at the New York Giants. I would expect the Dolphins and the Packers to both win those games, and that has impact on playoff pictures. But let's talk about the playoffs here for my final thoughts. Um, We're going to talk about, let's act like we're the NFL playoff committee, right? It doesn't exist, but if it did, the NFC, you've got five locks right now. The 49ers, the Cowboys, the Lions, the Eagles, and the winner of the NFC South. I don't care who wins the NFC South. I think they all stink. Uh, Atlanta would be the most entertaining for me. So I would like Atlanta to be in there. But then we look at the final two wildcard spots. You have the Vikings at seven and six. You have the Packers at six and six. Again, they play the Giants tonight. I would expect them to win. That would put them at seven and six. You have the Rams at six and seven. You have the Seahawks at six and seven. The Falcons, the Saints, six and seven. For my money, the most interesting playoff picture for the NFC. Give me the Falcons as the four seed. I want the Packers and the Rams in the playoff. The Vikings are falling out of it. They're in quarterback purgatory right now. Justin Jefferson's hurt again. I just don't think the Vikings are very good at the moment. The Packers have started to come on as of late. I would like to see Jordan Love in the playoffs. I think that would make for some fun matchups. The Rams, man. Their offense has been so much fun to watch. Like the playoffs will be more fun if Sean McVay and this offense is in there. I'm pulling for the Rams to get into the playoffs. I would like to see the Vikings fall out of it. You guys can let me know in the comments 
uh, what you guys think, who you would like to see in the NFC playoffs. Uh, got trending in the, my man, Phil from trending in the AM. You guys go check out his show on uh, every more, every week morning uh, on YouTube says, what's good, my man. Hey, Phil, how are you doing? Uh, just talking, wrapping up this show, talking some playoff picture here. Let's look at the AFC because the AFC is a mess. The Dolphins are nine and three. The Ravens are 10 and three. I'm assuming the Dolphins will beat the Titans tonight. They would be tied for the one seed. Then you've got the Chiefs and the Jaguars at eight and five. The Browns at eight and five is a wild card team. And then you have six, seven and six teams. That's wild. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say the Chiefs will win their division, right? I think they'll figure it out. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say the Jaguars will win their division. They're, they've got a game up on the Texans who have an injured C.J. Stroud right now. But let's look at these seven and six teams. we got to pick two of these. Two teams to make the playoffs out of Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, Houston, Denver, Cincinnati, and Buffalo. For me, I think it's pretty easy. Pittsburgh, I'm out. Their offense just isn't good enough. The Colts are a fun team. I love Ryan Steichen and what he's done with this offense. I just think there's more interesting teams here. Uh, Broncos, fun story. I don't really want them in the playoffs. I need the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. I need the Bills in the playoffs. That's one of my two slots. The other one comes down to the Texans and the Bengals. And for me, you know, Jake Browning's been a lot of fun, but I want CJ Stroud in these playoffs so bad. Uh, I would love to see them make it. So that's what I'm pulling for over the end of the season. I want to see the Bills and Texans get into the playoffs out of the AFC. I want to see the Packers and the Rams get into it from the NFC. So you guys can let me know what you're thinking. Uh, the ideal teams you would like to see make the playoffs uh, if if it plays out that way over the end of the season. So that's going to do it for this episode of Chalk Talk. Thank you guys for joining at an irregular hour uh, like I said at the top of the show, it's going to be strange the next two weeks around holiday travel and things like that. Uh, but we will be fully back right after for the end of the season, the playoff push, uh, and into draft season. So this podcast is not going anywhere. Uh, just going to be a weird couple of weeks. So thank you guys for joining us for episode number 134 of Chalk Talk. If you enjoy what you heard on the show, we know that you do. Be sure you smash that subscribe button and turn on notifications so you don't miss our next episode. Drop us a five-star rating and review wherever you stream your podcasts. Thumbs up on the YouTube really helps. Well. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at ShaneHalfNFL. I'm on Twitch at twitch.tv slash half and half. You can follow Mark, even though he skipped out on us today, uh, on Twitter at MarkHenryJr. And we will catch you next week for NFL Week 15 Recap Show.